I'm Pete McCall, and welcome to episode 77 of All About Fitness. This episode is a special holiday edition. I sit down with my friend Amanda Vogel. Amanda is a prolific fitness writer. She's been writing fitness and health articles for years, and it really is, over the last couple of years, we've worked on a couple of things together, and it really has been quite fun getting to know her. I've been a fan of her writing for a long time, and she really has a, a very strong voice and is a strong influencer in the fitness industry. She has a blog called Fitness Test Drive, where she writes product reviews for the general public. So she takes her experience as an instructor and a writer and goes through the ins and outs of various types of fitness equipment and fitness clothing. So with holiday time upon us, which is when we're all trying to figure out what to get our significant others or people we work with, I wanted to sit down with Amanda and have a conversation with her about various fitness-based holiday gift ideas. So everything that we talk about in today's podcast, I'll have links down to the show notes, whether it's to her specific blog with a fitness test drive or it's to specific product pages. But what I want to do is give you a little bit of information about products that you can be looking for to give people that give the gift of fitness in the coming holiday season. So with that, Ms. Amanda Vogel, author of the Fitness Test Drive blog. I'm Pete McCall with All About Fitness, and I'm speaking today with Amanda Vogel. Amanda, can you give us a little bit of background about what it is that you do and, and kind of uh, your role in the fitness industry? Sure, yeah. Um, I'm a fitness instructor. I have been for a very long time. That was my entry into the fitness industry, and I've been working in the industry ever since. I guess I consider myself first and foremost a fitness writer and blogger. I've contributed to a lot of major health and fitness magazines and trade magazines in the fitness industry. And I am a presenter at many fitness conferences. I love to educate people about everything from fitness writing to technology in the fitness industry to social media and group fitness. And I just want to say uh, for listeners that might not be familiar with Amanda, I w- you're probably one of the the first fitness bloggers, or, or you made that crossover because I've been reading your articles. I don't want to say how long, but I've been reading your articles for years in various trade publications. At what point do you think that? When do you think you became kind of crossed over and felt comfortable calling yourself a blogger? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, like when I, I and I I can't even remember it would have definitely been more than a decade ago. My uh, web designer was saying to me, you need a blog, you need a blog. And I was no, no, I don't want a blog. That's just one more thing that I have to do. This was maybe 15 years ago. Um, and I kind of put it off for a long time. And then it took me a while to settle into what exactly I wanted to blog about. And, and I would say I've had fitness test drive, which is my current blog, probably for my goodness, eight years, maybe. I don't know that I'm one of the first fitness bloggers. That's nice of you to say. Uh, but I definitely do enjoy doing it. And I consider it, um, you know, one of the areas that I specialize in now. Well, you've just been writing for so long. And it's always, you know, for me, yeah. it's always a pleasure to speak with you because I've been a, a fan of your writing for so long. And, hey. and you know, to see you make go from, from the publications, from the magazines to being a digital I think has been you. You've been one of those people of let's call it from our generation who's made that transition to an online persona successfully. Yeah, and I think it has actually been necessary because you know since I started writing for magazines, magazines in the publishing industry has changed so much, um, and there's just less opportunity than there used to be for me with magazines and in general for most writers. So I saw blogging as a real opportunity to be able to take the skills that I have as a writer and the information I have about health and fitness and bring it to a different medium. Okay. And so we're here today to talk a little bit about, you know, I try not to have dates on, on the podcast, but it is the holiday time, uh, you know, whatever holiday you, people might be celebrating. And so what I want to speak with you today a little bit is about new fitness products, because you mentioned Fitness Test Drive as, as a blog. What is that? And what do you do with Fitness Test Drive? So Fitness Test Drive is just sort of a, a fun blog uh, that I started, as I said, maybe about eight years ago. And the tagline is steering you toward the best gadgets and gear. So my goal is to really take my expertise uh, working in the fitness industry as a certified fitness professional and kind of using the insider information I have working in the the industry um, and pairing that with the experience that I've gained over the years writing for a lot of different magazines where I would test out health and fitness products. So I thought that would be kind of a good marriage to bring together the skills that I have to be able to look at a product and say, okay, what's good about this? what maybe needs a little bit of improvement and then being able to really break it down in a way that's easy and sort of simple, not simplistic, but in a simple way that people can find out more about a product without 
diving into every single detail about it. So I thought that would be sort of a good way to bring my skills as a magazine writer who reviews products together with an insider in the fitness industry. And I think that's an important thing, Amanda, because there's so much fitness information out there and there's so many fitness products out there that are pure just uh, snake oil, for lack of a better yeah. term. And yeah. and I don't, you know, just for listeners, Amanda's uh, located in Vancouver, Canada. And I don't know if you're aware, but in the states, Walmart is the largest, you know, is the largest uh, retailer of fitness equipment. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I've walked through Walmart and, and looked there, because I just want to see what they had. I and mean, when I saw that statistic, I want to see what they had. I was there. Put it this way: there was a lot of equipment that Walmart's selling that you wouldn't find in a commercial gym. So what, what type of equipment do you review and, and do you have a criteria for that equipment? Yeah, so I tend to specialize in uh, everything from fitness technology, so devices and apps, uh, sort of the latest clothing and technology and style in, in uh, workout wear, and then equipment that can be used in the home. And honestly, my criteria is I, I decided a while ago that I didn't really want to review products that I thought were a total waste of time. I didn't want to pick up a product and then talk about it and then ultimately say, don't bother with this. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a piece of junk. So everything that I review on my blog is stuff that I would ultimately recommend to people, but I'm still really realistic and honest about, you know, even though I recommend this product, here's something that I think could actually be improved about it, or here's how I'd like to maybe see it be done differently, um, just to give a really good, well-rounded perspective. So if someone's going to the trouble reading my blog and finding out more about a health and fitness product, I want them to know that ultimately it's one that you know, they might be able to use depending on what their goals are and what their uh, health path is, but also to know, well, watch out for this. This might be something that you may or may not like about the product. And I think that's important. And, and just so, you know, I've, I've done some, when I've done some reviews, obviously the same thing. And I might have a relationship with a company if I'm, re, if I'm reviewing a product, but I always try to be very objective. And I want to stand behind any review that I give, any piece of equipment I talk about, I feel that, that I need to stand behind as, as an individual. And it sounds like that's kind of the same, same position that you take, correct? Absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's uh, usually a piece of equipment or a product that I would actually use myself or recommend to a family member or a friend. But also, I'm really upfront with the brands that I work with. And I say, look, you know what, I am going to, ha- I always have a section in my blog that is things that I would like to see improved about it. So they know that it's not going to be a 100% glowing review, which says something also about the brands. It means, you know, they have confidence in the product. And they're not trying to, you know, hide a million different defects about it. They know there might be, and they might even find it interesting to know what a consumer thinks. Oh, this this could be done better, or we'd like to see this done differently. Well, and that's so. I want to kind of get that, you know, kind of have you state some of that up front. Because I think it's important to understand that you're coming at it from a very objective, and that you're putting your your professional credentials on the line. So let's get into a couple of your products from this past year. Like, what have you sure. what have you liked? I mean, one of the things that I saw you review that that's been a favorite product of mine is a new new product from uh, TriggerPoint, and, and that's yeah. the Vibe Roller. What, what yeah. are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so the Grid Vibe, I, uh, that's one of the last products that I reviewed. And um, you know what? I really like it. I've had the Grid Vibe, which is the non-vibrating one, for a long, long time. And I have definitely used that. Um, I find foam rolling useful, but like many people, I find foam rolling somewhat painful <laughs> sometimes. You know, it takes a while to kind of work out the knots. And what I really like about the grid vibe is the the vibration. So it's a just so everybody knows, it's um it looks like the the grid vibe. It looks very similar to it, but it's smaller. And it, it, you turn it on and it starts to vibrate. So you can use it as a foam roller, but the vibration quality of this product allows you to kind of relax and take some of the pain of rolling away. And it, you know, that's what Trigger Point says, and it really is true. So I, I enjoy the product for that. The other day I was out running and toward, you know, the last couple of kilometers of my run, I was like, oh, my hip doesn't feel right. You know, it just feels tight and I didn't, I, you know, I wasn't comfortable with it. And I came home, spent about five minutes with the uh, grid vibe and completely help the situation. So it's a great way if you already love foam rolling, but maybe you find it a little uncomfortable or you want something a little bit different with your foam rolling, uh, it's a great alternative and adds some good variety. And, and just for listeners, I'm going to have links to your reviews um, in the show notes. So sure. people want oh, okay. to listen, you know, the, to link to your blog. And yet, just, I mean, that's, I wanted to ask about that because that's been one of my favorite products of the last year. I picked it up at a trade show in July when we were in Las Vegas. And 
I have to say my, you know, I, my wife, my wife makes fun of me because she's like, I know when you're using your foam roller because she'll be downstairs and she can hear the floor vibrating. Yeah, exactly. and, and, and I thought about, I thought about turning mine on for a moment, but I, but listeners might get the wrong idea. It's just a vibrating. I didn't want them to think we were talking about any other type of vibrating product. So, so I had that exact same thought. I have it right here with me on my desk. <laughs> I turn it on. No, I'll just leave it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, we don't, but the oscillations from a scientific standpoint, the oscillations of the vibrations of the roller it, it, it works on the muscle spindles, the actual yeah. sensory receptors in the muscle to kind of relax them. So I, I when I saw it on your blog, I, I definitely want to mention it because I, I love that. I mean, at night before I go to bed sometimes or in the morning, you know, now that I'm in my 40s, sometimes I need a little extra um, mobilization in the morning yeah. before waking up to do that. Now, you test a lot of clothes and a lot of a lot of shoes and stuff. What have been some of your favorites in terms of in, in terms of gear? And, and I, this is going to be specifically probably for women because I don't think you test many men's clothes, do you? No, <laughs> none. Yeah, yeah. So, none. so what are some of your favorite clothes? So I, I would say probably at the moment my favorite brand is a brand called RYU. Now, they're based here in Canada, um, actually based specifically in Vancouver, but they're a Canadian company, but they're available in the States as well. So full disclosure, I'm what's called an RYU connector, which is similar to being an ambassador for the brand. But even if I wasn't, I know I would be, these are the clothes I would be wearing most to work out in. Um, The reason that I like specifically their pants is because they've come out with a new line that they call high rise. So it's either the high rise tights or the high rise capris. And honestly, these have really changed uh, my ability to feel comfortable, whether I'm working out in the gym or going for a run, because the pants are a lot higher than a lot of the other workout tights that I have. And so for that reason, I never, ever have to feel like, I'm pulling my pants up or kind of tugging at them after I've done, you know, a set of burpees or especially when I go out for a run. I mean, I've got a lot of workout uh, pants right now that I think, you know, when I open my drawer, I think, okay, what am I going to wear when I go out for a run? And I love a lot of them, not necessarily all the RYU brand, but I always think, well, how am I going to feel halfway through that run when I've been tugging up, you know, my the waist of my workout pants half a dozen times already? So I always go for these high-rise uh, capris or tights from RYU just because it takes that equation right out. You never have to worry about it and everything just stays in place. And, and so is that what you look for? I mean, you know, cause one, yeah. of, the, one of the things I want to ask is what do you, mm-hmm. what do you look for in workout clothes? I totally, I look for that. So I look for, obviously I look for a fit and I look for something that's functional in terms of, you know, how will it, um, h- how is it going to be in terms of performance, things that, you know, uh, fabrics that wick away sweat and obviously are made for working out. But apart from that, there's, I mean, there's so many products and so uh, many lines of clothes out there that meet the criteria of being ready for, you know, performance enhancing clothes or, or, you know, wicking away sweat and being able to deal with the functional aspect of workouts, but the style or the cut of them still is not always there. So that is one of the things I look for, obviously, is that it, you know, meets performance standards, but also that I don't have basically the, the main, <laughs> I guess, two pieces of criteria is uh, performance and also that I don't really have to be aware of or worrying about my workout clothes while I'm in the middle of working out. So that means pulling up pants or wondering is my workout top kind of like right, you know, pulling down or anything like that. So any type of clothing that feels like uh, it allows me to breathe uh, when I'm working out and it doesn't get too hot, but at the same time, I don't have to worry about revealing too much that's what I'm looking for. And I think that's an important thing. I mean, people obviously who are fit don't mind wearing clothes that, that might be somewhat revealing, but at the same time, you know, you don't want to be overly suggestive or overly provocative with the clothing. No, especially when you don't mean to be, you know, exactly. like if you're in indoor cycling, you're kind of leaning over the bike and you look down and it's like, Oh, my tank top is a little looser in the front than I thought it was. Um, you know, n- none of that stuff, you don't want to have that be sort of a surprise in the middle of your workout. So no, no, no. Um, that's something I look for with clothes. Now, quick question on clothes, and I wouldn't even think about this, but are you surprised by this trend the last few years, Amanda, of, of people wearing their workout clothes outside the gym? I mean, has that been something that, would that, is that what you would have expected or is that something that's kind of caught you kind of off guard? You know, I know that's something that I would expect. I mean, it's been going on uh, for so long. I think, you know, workout clothes are just generally comfortable, you know, and that's what people are responding to. I think the problem comes quite often when, uh, you know, people are kind of walking around in their workout clothes and it's kind of become a joke. You know, everybody wears their yoga pants everywhere, you know, to the grocery store and to Starbucks or whatever. 
But what uh, this is actually then, I'm glad you brought this up, Pete. It's another thing that I look for in workout clothes is how is this <laughs> outfit or this workout, uh, these workout tights or this warm up top, how is that going to look if I have to go from the gym to somewhere else like the bank or the grocery store or whatever? Can I, can I, can I get away with wearing my workout clothes without totally looking like I'm wearing my workout clothes? So that's another thing I look for as well. And that, that just means that people, I think, are comfortable, that they're comfortable in what they're wearing and they take they, – because you don't want to look like – you don't want to look disheveled. And you don't want to look like you just did a boot no. camp, but you want to look relatively reasonable and presentable. Yeah, and I think that's what people are responding to. They want clothes that are more like that. And, and I think brands are you know, finding ways to create products that can be worn for performance in the gym, but they can also be worn around town as well and look, look good. Now, one question I have is, you know, my wife works out quite a bit and obviously I'm a guy and even though I can go into the closet and check out and see what size she wears, I'm always a little bit apprehensive about buying her workout clothes for gifts, whether it's for her birthday or for the holidays. Do you mm-hmm. have any suggestions for how I should do that? I mean, what should, if I'm going to buy a gift from, from my wife and I don't want to just give her a gift card because I want to show her that, Hey, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about what you wear and I'm thinking about something I'd like to see you in. Um, how, do you have any suggestions for how guys can shop for, for workout clothes for their, for their spouse? Ooh, well, d- tread lightly. I think you need to do some research. So, um, one of the things that I would suggest doing is, um, I guess you have to, you have to weigh the cost of, do I want this to be an absolute total surprise versus do I want to get something that I know she's going to like and is going to fit and that she'll want to wear? So you might have to do a little bit of research and sleuthing around where you do ask, you know, hey, are there any workout brands that you particularly like or any workout brands that you want to try? When it comes to sizing, even if you think you know a person's size, size can vary greatly between brands. So someone might be a medium in one brand and small in another or even a small for the bottom and a medium on top or vice versa. So you've got to do, uh, you know, a little bit of research to make sure that whatever you're getting is going to be consistent with what the uh, person who's receiving the gift buys for themselves already in terms of sizing, but also is it something that, you know, they feel like they're going to wear. So performance obviously is the first place to start, but also what kind of style do they have? And are there any styles that they feel like they might want to branch out and try, but they really haven't gone to the trouble of uh, buying, you know, something new in that area? I like that. That's a good, a good idea. And I really, that, that's a great question. I, and I wouldn't have thought of that. Like, are there any brands or any of these styles that you would like to try and yeah. just just in the interest of for for female listeners for for guys you know I, i'm a big you know um fan it's kind of the same advice because it's funny i'm like a extra large on top but a large in in the pants or in the shorts yeah and, and it's one of those things and sometimes i like it when my wife will pick up a pair of pants for me or pick up a pair of shorts for me that i might not otherwise think to buy you know because yeah. i think i'll fall into a r- routine or to a rut and she'll come up with something and she'll be like, hey, I saw this and I thought you might like it. And it's like, oh, wow, I kind of, it is like green eggs and ham. You know, I, I was like, yeah. first I'm like, no, I don't want to try that. Then all of a sudden, you know, um, you know, like Lulu, I love, I'm wearing Lululemon pants right now. And they're very comfortable, casual pant to wear um, before and after a workout. Do you have any, I mean, what's your advice for, for, for women buying, buying clothes for, for uh, you know, for a male spouse? I think it would be exactly the same, you know, do a bit of research, kind of look at what they already have. And then uh, whether it's whether you're buying for a male or a female, take a look at, uh, you know, as we said, what might they benefit from or really enjoy, but not necessarily buy for themselves or what would they want to try? Because a lot of times people might have the mentality of, yeah, you know, I'd like to try a warm up top like that because then I could throw it on and use it, you know, not only at the gym, but afterwards when I'm walking around town or whatever. Um, But they might not go and actually buy it maybe because of the cost or maybe because they think, well, I don't really need it for working out. So look for some of those items, at least that a person would probably benefit from and enjoy, but not necessarily pick up on their own. Yeah, that's because one actually one of the things I really like is is a jacket, like a light pullover jacket that my wife got me a hoodie that that's become one of my go-to things because winters are so harsh here in san diego it's just oh, like yeah, a, yeah. <laughs> I know you're really struggling <laughs> you know it was 50 something degrees this morning <laughs> <the> kids <laughs> out to school. Uh, so i'm gonna switch gears a little bit and i'll have a, again i'll have a one or two links posted um to 
some clothing reviews you've done down the show notes if people want a little bit more detail. Now, you've really, as you mentioned earlier, you've really um, positioned yourself, Amanda, and, and you and I sat on a panel a couple years ago together about fitness trackers. Let's uh-huh. talk about fitness trackers a little bit. First of all, do you find that fitness trackers are a useful tool and, and, and how so? I really think that they are. And I think that they can be useful for everybody from someone who's just getting started with activity uh, to people who are actually fairly fit. Because one of the great things that an activity tracker does, no matter where you are on the spectrum of fitness, is it creates a better sense of awareness about how much activity you really get. So for someone who's not moving at all, it's really their opportunity to see, hey, I'm not really getting any activity here. And, you know, it's a good place to start in order to move around more. But even someone like me, who's fairly active, there are days when, you know, I might spend a lot of time sitting at my desk writing, <laughs> depending on what deadlines I have. And honestly, <laughs> it kind of amazes me sometimes when I look at my Apple Watch and realize I didn't get that much walking around today. Even if I had a one hour workout for the rest of the day, I really wasn't doing very much. And before I started wearing any type of activity tracker, I might have thought, yeah, I had a pretty active day. You know, that's just what I told myself. But the activity tracker kind of lays it out in a much more objective way. And so it creates that that necessary awareness that people need to get up and move around more, whether they're already working out at the gym or not. Hey, you you hit on something that's you know nail on, nail on the head right there, and, and again you, you had invited me to be on a panel a couple of years ago, and before before we did that panel, I went and bought a uh, I wear a Polar M four hundred, and I set it to re, to um, re, you know buzz every fifty minutes or so, and and you you are so right, Amanda, because I'll get stuck in writing sometimes and realize that oh, I haven't gotten up in mood for a while. Yeah. And because what the research is showing, and I actually have a podcast where Len Kravitz and I talk about this. Um, but what the research is showing is, is it, you can kind of, even if you exercise, you should be active throughout the day. And mm-hmm. I think, I think Len's recommendation was that for every, for every 30 minutes you sit, you should have three minutes of activity. Yeah. And, and have you heard the similar, have you heard something similar? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. and I, that's where I think fitness, you know, fitness trackers and watches can help people kind of just be more aware of that. Now, one of the things I saw that you tested was was the leaf. And it looks like something that's a little bit different. What What is that product? Yeah. yeah, so I'm wearing that right now. I got my Apple Watch on my left wrist, and I got the leaf right now wrapped around my uh, right wrist. But you can also wear it just as a clip on your clothes or as a necklace. So it's an activity tracker that's specifically for women. And it's more of – you think about it more of as a piece of jewelry than uh, a watch. Um, and it's just an activity tracker. It's It's – obviously more basic than something like an Apple watch, but it allows you to sort of create that sense of awareness about what am I doing? So it will track steps, but uh, you also have the opportunity to input into the companion app that comes with leaf things like how much um, meditation did I do in a particular day? And what was the workout that I did? And you can choose from a list of all kinds of like varied workouts, probably any workout that you would do would be in that list. So it just, again, creates that sense of awareness. And it also creates that motivation of, okay, uh, I I know I need to put a workout into my leaf app today, or I know I've got to get 10 minutes if that's the goal you set for meditation. So it just creates that awareness and those reminders to take some additional health and fitness steps that you might not otherwise, if you didn't have the tracker um, kind of moving you along. And I think that's an important thing. I think trackers can just help people be more active throughout the day to take those little activity breaks or take those little movement breaks. Now let's talk a little bit about the Apple watch because I am, I I have to to admit, and I think a friend of mine pointed this out a while ago because I was one of these people, Amanda, that I I had a PC for years. Then I got an iPod and then eventually I went from the iPod. I went to an iPad and then from iPad, I went to a Mac and now I'm basically on the whole Mac ecosystem, the whole Apple, Apple ecosystem, but I haven't adopted the, the Mac, the iWatch yet. What, what are you liking about, about the Apple watch? What, what's been, been, uh, what, you know, why are you, are you a fan of it? And, And if so, why? Yeah, I, I'm a fan of it. I love it. And I, I think probably, um, I have been wearing it since the version one was released pretty close to that time. So it's become kind of, um, (laughs) as important in my daily life for the most part as my phone. 
Um, so in terms of it being, I mean, apart from it just being an activity tracker, it's convenient because you can check your texts and do all kinds of things from your watch without ever having to figure out where your phone is. But from the, the perspective of an activity tracker and how it helps with health and fitness, I, I really, really like the opportunity to see really at a glance how you're doing with some fundamental aspects of health and fitness. So the, I'm sure most people know at this point, but the Apple Watch has those rings that you have to close. There's a ring for how many calories you burn based on a goal that you set within the Apple Watch. Uh, then there's a ring for getting 30 minutes of brisk activity throughout the day. And then there's a ring of standing for 12 consecutive times or 12 times throughout the day. So you, the goal is to obviously close those rings each day. Sometimes I do better than other times. And that's one of the ways that it's illuminates for me is, Hey, you know, just because you got to work out, doesn't mean you necessarily spent a lot of time standing up in the day or just because, uh, you were walking around a lot. doesn't mean that you actually got 30 minutes of, uh, you know, heart health, exercise for the day, brisk walking or something like that. So um, I think that's it, it's such a simple way to be able to just quickly look at how's it going for the day in terms of my health behavior and uh, see what you can do to change that for the better. And, and I think that's one thing that's important. And again, that's what Len Kravitz and I talked about. And, and for people that, that aren't familiar, I'm not talking about the musician Len Kravitz. I'm talking about uh, Len is a, uh, is, is a professor of exercise physiology at University of New Mexico and a rather prolific uh, researcher and writer in the fitness industry. And what, we, what we're trying to get people to be more aware of is be more active throughout the day, not mm -hmm. just at the gym, not just when they work out, but Art, like right now we're recording this, I'm standing. I have myself at a standing desk to record this right now as opposed to being seated. Just find that extra little opportunity. And so I think that's what we're seeing in the research is that the more active you are throughout the day, the healthier you are overall. And now do you, do you feel, you kind of alluded to this, but do you feel that using Apple Watch has helped you just be more aware and how you can add more activity throughout your day? Yeah, absolutely. And it just comes from looking at a glance. I mean, I have it set so that when I look down at what the time is, uh, the face of the watch also shows me. There's lots of different uh, faces that you can choose, but the one that I've chosen is it shows me how many rings I've closed so far today. And it's not looking good so far. So I'm sitting down. Maybe I should stand up like you, Pete, <laughs> right? So I know that, you know, it's fairly early in the day as we record this. So I know I've got a lot of work to do before the end of the day to get those rings closed. But it's, you know, it's not only, that's kind of the basic in terms of getting more movement and activity in the day. Uh, the Apple Watch also has a workout app in it, a dedicated workout app. And it also has some interesting features that can help people be more active. For example, there's the activity sharing feature, uh, which means, uh, Pete, if you had the Apple Watch, you and I could decide, okay, we're going to um, allow ourselves to sh we'll share how our activity is doing the day. So you could actually see my activity and how I'm doing the day and you could send me little messages of motivation or smack talk or whatever saying, Hey, you know, you need to get up and move around a little bit to close that green ring. So, um, it's another good way to just help people stay motivated and even help create that sense of community in terms of like, we're in this together. You know, I can see what you're doing with your Apple watch. You can see what I'm doing. And I, I think actually activity sharing can work one way as well so that you can see what someone else is doing, but they can't see what you're doing. <laughs> well, and I, I think that'd be a good idea. Like if, if I bought that from, you know, from my wife, it would be, if we were both committed to trying to be healthier, then I think it'd be a good way to kind of um, support each other in that. Like, hey, yeah. how, how much have you moved throughout the day? And let's talk for a moment about kind of the people behind, because I tried to get him for an interview, and, and he said, you know, the you know the, the fruit company Apple is very, um, very, con you know, controlling about about interview processes just because of a variety of reasons, which I totally respect. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I really like about the Apple Watch as it relates to fitness is who are the people working on the Apple Watch related to fitness? I mean, let's let's talk a little bit about their background and, and why that might be important. Sure. Well, I mean, the, you know, the two people that we know are Jay Blonick and Jules Arney, both of uh, both come from the fitness industry um, as highly, highly respected and experienced fitness professionals. So the fact that, uh, you know, that I know that they're behind um, what's happening from the health and fitness perspective on the Apple Watch makes me feel 
even more confident, you know, even if I didn't know that it was Jules Arney and uh, Jay Blonick behind it, I would still love my Apple Watch and everything that it does. But knowing what I know about them, knowing what their credentials are, knowing what their experience is in the fitness industry, they're the real deal. And so the fact that they're contributing to everything that we're seeing on the Apple Watch just gives me that much more confidence about it. Well, you know, I've worked on. I work for the same company that they used to work with, um, with Core Health and Fitness. They were both very instrumental. Jay actually created the Schwinn Indoor Cycling Education Program, and Schwinn Schwinn Fitness is now owned by the same people that own Nautilus and Stairmaster. And I consult with uh, with those with those brands with Nautilus and Stairmaster. So mm-hmm. I just I just want to give to give listeners that that is one of the reasons why you see so many fitness educators and fitness professionals like Amanda and I use the Apple Watch is because the fitness component of it is being developed by is being guided by two people with an extensive history in program development and education so there's a lot of thought that goes into it and a lot of a lot of research into how you move throughout the day so the Apple Watch is developed to reflect that is that is that is that correct is, am I understanding that correctly yeah I mean I would think so and yeah. you know they, they they come at health and fitness with like a realistic perspective and you know how does the average person uh, you know uh, interact with fitness or doesn't interact with fitness so um, absolutely and I want to be very clear here I just want to take a step back and say we're not we're not trying to project what Apple is doing we're just trying to validate um, the experience that the, the people have who are guiding the fitness side of the Apple watch. Just yeah. so, so yeah. listeners can can realize that Apple just didn't come out with a product and they're trying to shove it down our throats, but they they came up with a very thoughtful approach to how is the product going to be used and how are, how are people really going to incorporate more fitness through their day, and that's that's what we're trying to, to kind of to to mention and to highlight. Now, last thing, two more things I want to tick off here, Amanda. Any fitness equipment because one of the holiday gifts I think that people might might try to buy is well, I might try to buy a spouse or a family member somebody who I know likes to work out, maybe they want to do a home gym. Have there mm-hmm. been any things you've tested in the past year or so that you think would be good, um, like equipment-based gift if somebody wants to buy a, a fitness or a workout piece for their home? Yeah. Um, so one of the pieces that I tested recently is called, well, you know it, Pete, it's TerraCore. And um, it's, if you can imagine, um, it's sort of the size of, what would you say, like a, a weight bench, but it's quite slim. It's not uh, too large. And one of the things that I really liked about this product is I would say it's one of the most multifunctional pieces of products that I've tested out. And so that I think makes it especially useful for the home gym setting. You can do so much with this, uh, product from using it just as a balance trainer. So if you stand on top of it, um, you know, it's not a flat platform. So you've got to work on your balance when you do that. You can use it as a bench. You can use it as a step. You can sit on it and use it for strength or stretching exercises. You can anchor resistance band stuff to it. So regardless of the piece of equipment, I always say to people, when you're looking for something that you can maybe use at home, how can it be used maybe by multiple people in the home if needed? And then how can it be used for different muscle groups and how can it be used uh, for different types of exercise modes? So how can it apply to or assist with your cardio workouts, your strength workouts, your stretching workouts? And the TerraCore, I thought, kind of hit all of those buttons, you know, kind of checked all those boxes. So in terms of being multifunctional and versatile, that is definitely one that I would recommend. It is a little bit larger. So if you live in a small space, that would be a consideration. If you actually have a dedicated room or, you know, a storage space where you can put it in between use, that would be something to consider. Um, is there anything you want to add about that one? Well, I just, and again, I appreciate that because I want to be perfectly clear. I do some consulting for TerraCore, for Vicor, and they're, they're actually, right now, Amanda, they're the, the, the sole sponsor of, of the podcast. But for listeners, I didn't realize that Amanda was reviewing it, in all honesty. I didn't yeah. know, and, and I saw, I think you posted it on Facebook when you did yeah. the review. And so I was really thrilled to see her feedback on it because I, I to come back to the whole, whole thing we talked about, I think, before we started recording, I would not work with any product or any piece of equipment that I would not feel comfortable with recommending to a family member, recommending to a, to a parent, to a spouse. And when I saw the TerraCore, I was like, wow, that's a great piece of equipment that, that does a lot of, that can do a lot of things. So it really is, I, I really, I stand behind the product and, and it's been, I've spent the last year doing a lot of education for it and, and, and trying to promote it. And we're very, uh, right now we're a very small company, but we're trying to build it up. And, and one of the reasons I liked it, Amanda, because it's great for the home use. Like you said, it's very yeah. versatile. The only thing I need to be aware of is, is my kids. I have two, two, two young girls and um, they're three and five. 
And whenever I'm with a terracore out, they immediately call it the jumpy and they start jumping up and down yeah. on it. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's, it. that's, <laughs> that's the only thing I, that, that's the only thing. So I try to keep it in a closet so that, you know, so that they're not, cause not, you know, I'm not, I'm fine with them, but I just don't want them jumping and bouncing off and going flying into a coffee table or into a bookshelf. Yeah. And, and so I just, that's, that's my only, my only concern with keeping it out for the kids is the kids might start jumping up and down on it. Um, but with, with that, it's just, you know, I'll have a, I'll have a link down to your review and people can take a look at it. And real quick before the next product is, um, one of the cool things is Gunnar Peterson, um, who does, trains a lot of people in, in LA and Hollywood. Gunnar is now the strength coach of the LA Lakers and he's been using the Terracore with the LA Lakers. So, oh, yeah. um, oh, cool. yeah, I didn't know if you knew that, but it was kind yeah. of a cool thing. And, and I had Gunnar on the podcast a, a few episodes ago and, and he's been posting some pictures of some of the LA Lakers players training on the Terracore. So that's a really cool, cool thing to see. It's, it's cool to see when a product that you work with is being adopted by people who you respect and people who, who do a good job with that. So I really, yeah. you know, like I said, when I saw you wrote about it, I was, I was really immediately just, I was, you know, my heart skipped a beat. I was like, awesome. <laughs> Cause I'm glad you liked it too, just subjectively. Yeah. Now, yeah. any other, any other home products, any other things that people might think about adding to a home gym? I mean, there's so many different things. You know, like I said, always look for things that are versatile that more people can, you know, multiple people in the house can use, how it might work for different modes of exercise, stretching or cardio, strength, agility, that kind of thing. Um, But, you know, I think there are some fun pieces and could even make good holiday gifts if it comes down to that. Things like a medicine ball can be really versatile. It's a good way, you know, you can work on it with strength and you can also incorporate it in just cardio exercises as well. It's easy to store. Sand bells. Uh, I know Hyperware offers sand bells, and they're, that kind of thing, again, is easy to just slide under a dresser or under a bed um, so that if you don't have a dedicated home gym area, you know, it's an easy way to store it. Resistance bands are always great. Um, I recently, actually, just this morning, I saw an ad, which I hadn't seen before, for the TRX Slam Ball. Do you know that one? No, I haven't seen a TRX Slam Ball. No, what is that? Yeah. I don't know. I just saw it this morning. It's like a, It looks like a medicine ball, and it has, like, um, little nubs on it little i'm sure that's not the the way that trx would describe it but it's um it's not smooth it's got more of a uh nubs so like a texture (laughs) like a like like a textured surface textured surface yeah well now i'll look for that and i'll see if i can have see if i can have a link to that now are you what about the trx suspension trainer would that be a good piece of, of home equipment i think so i mean they do have they do have um units or kits that are meant specifically to use at home. I think the only thing there, and I'm a, I'm a huge fan of TRX, the only thing is it's a little less um, self-explanatory than, say, picking up a medicine ball or something like that. So with TRX, you'd want to make sure that if you're buying this product or buying it for someone else, there is some sense of guidance about, well, how do I use this? So once it's all hooked up and ready, uh, are there like DVDs that they can look at or resources on the TRX website or YouTube videos or something that will guide people through not only here's an exercise and there's an exercise, but how you might actually put it together into a mini home workout. Because it is one of those things that for someone who doesn't use the TRX or hasn't used it before or is not a fitness professional, it's not, it might not be as intuitive in terms of how do I actually make this work for me in a workout at home. Actually, that's a really good idea, Amanda. As you say that, and we've talked about before about collaborating on something, and you and I both write for a couple of the same publications, and I think this gives an idea, because you've kind of written about it. You've written one or two things about how do you, how do you find credible fitness resources online. It, mm-hmm. might be, it might be something to look at, you know, pitching a, either a blog or pitching an article about how do you identify, because I think a lot of people go to Instagram, and you've spoken about this a little bit, and and what do you what is your suggestion you know for people for people looking for resources like for using a TRX or a medicine ball or a band what do you suggest for how to find a credible resource online whether it's YouTube or Instagram so okay well let, let's just move YouTube and Instagram aside for a second and I would say go first directly to wherever you got that product from so check out the TRX website see what they have to offer and then head over to YouTube and and Instagram. And first, again, look at uh, where that product came from. So if you have a TRX or if you've got a medicine ball from a certain company or a sandbell, look at the uh, social media accounts for for those 
product providers and see what guidance they have on their social media channels. And then from there, if you are kind of branching out and looking at just random YouTube videos or uh, various Instagram accounts that do show exercises and do offer workouts, you got to do a little bit of research and vet those experts. I mean, I use the word expert, but I need to say vet those people to find out that they are experts. So look at their profile on Instagram. Do they mention anything about being a certified person? personal trainer or fitness instructor. Um, Same thing with YouTube. If you need to check out a website and see what they might say on the about page about who they are and what their fitness credentials are. Chances are if someone does not mention their fitness credentials anywhere, either in their profile or you might have to dig a little bit deeper and, and, you know, find them somewhere else online, like a website or a blog. If they don't mention that anywhere, chances are they don't have those certifications. So you always want to make sure Uh, that when you're following fitness advice, when you're following exercises on Instagram or YouTube, that it's from someone who truly is qualified to be able to dole out that kind of information. And that's, I mean, it's great advice and I'd offer, offer the same thing. Now, as we, as we get ready to wrap up here, I want to ask you about, you do a lot of, you and I both do a lot of blogging for the American Council on Exercise. Mm. And one of the blogs you wrote recently, and I'll link to it again, is you wrote a, um, you know, wrote a blog that I really like about five moments for making better health decisions. What what mm-hmm. are the, what are those moments and 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 how would how, what are people what can people do throughout the day to try to make five healthier decisions? Well, you know what it really comes down to. Um, I wanted to write this piece, and I've written similar pieces before, actually, for women's magazines, just along the same lines. And the idea behind like a, a health moment is to really know in order to make sure that, you know, you, you improve your health behavior over time is to really know what your plan is before you get to that actual moment. (laughs) So whether it's, uh, you know, the first one I have is at the breakfast table, making sure that you sit down and you eat something that is a nutritious breakfast rather than skipping breakfast or just grabbing something that's a sugary snack, or maybe, you know, just having a cup of coffee and then you end up binging on something maybe that's not as nutritious later because you didn't focus on what do I have to eat for breakfast. So it's like kind of planning a little ahead of time. I'm going to eat breakfast, so I'm making sure I've got the time to do it. And I'm making sure that I have the resources in the fridge or in the pantry to do it. And then, you know, same thing. The second one was lunch break at work. How are you going to spend your time at lunch? Um, packing lunch is always a good way. So again, planning a little bit ahead so that when it comes to that moment, When your lunch break is upon you, you already know what you're going to be eating. Leaving work, same thing. So if you've decided, okay, I'm going to go do a workout after work. Well, we all know that, you know, if you've had a bad day or just a hard day or the weather is not great or whatever, it's so easy to just kind of, once you get home with the intention, I'm just going to change into my workout clothes and go to the gym. It's so easy to just say, never mind, I'm already at home and the couch looks really cozy and so on. So recommendation there might be to plan ahead, already pack your gym bag, have it with you at work, and then go directly from work to the gym if possible. Um, Dinner rush, same thing, making sure you've got stuff available so that you don't end up in a situation where maybe you're doing takeout food. And then an hour before bedtime, that was the last tip that I have in terms of the health moment, a great opportunity to just think about what can I do to foster a good night's sleep tonight? That probably means shutting down your phone, uh, doing more restful activities, reading quietly or meditating, um, dimming the lights, all that kind of stuff so that you can go to bed hopefully get a great night's sleep and then feel more refreshed in the morning to tackle all of that other stuff. And I think you hit on something there and that's packing a bag for the gym and making a plan. Is it really, because one of the things that, that's always recommended is like being able to meet somebody at the gym or having a friend with you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a critical thing. How about group fitness? Would, would, ha- would signing up for a group fitness class help somebody kind of adhere or, or follow through on their plans a little bit better? Yeah, I think so in two ways. One is because oftentimes when you sign up for a class, just like with a personal trainer, actually, you pay for it in advance. So um, it hurts when you waste money. And therefore, that in itself is kind of motivation for people to get to the gym. Well, I've already paid for it. But even sometimes signing up for a class, like quite often in indoor cycling or anything that uses a piece of equipment where the class is quite popular, you have to sign up in advance. Therefore, you're taking that spot away from somebody else. So to kind of just bail on your workout and say, never mind, I'm not going to go, means that somebody else might have had the chance to go. You were reserving that piece of equipment. And if you kind of back out at the last minute, it means maybe somebody who could have had that equipment 
isn't going to get to it. So that in itself could be kind of a motivator as well, thinking, you know, I owe it (laughs) to other people to get to the gym, either because people are expecting me there, maybe I've made a date to meet other people at the gym, or simply because you've taken that piece of equipment that somebody else could have been using. And I think that's a key thing. And 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 I think, too, people develop a relationship with an instructor. If you always go to the same class on Wednesdays at 5 o'clock, you're going to get to know that instructor. And as, as instructors, we know how critical is that relationship. I mean, you look, I mean, because we, we create relationships. There are people I know from the gym, Amanda, who I may have forgotten their names, and that's awful of me, but I know about their kids. I know about their jobs. I know about what's going on in their life. How, what's, how important is, is that relationship for us as instructors to create with the members? Oh, I think it's incredibly important. I mean, um, you know, I, I like to feel when I teach a fitness class that I'm connecting with everybody in the room. Sometimes it's not always possible, depending on the size of the room or what's going on. But um, it's incredibly important. And I see the same people come to my class week after week. Um, and I know it's important for them to be there, not only because they enjoy the workout, but honestly, because they're connecting with other people in the room. So, you know, I have a, a group of women. I, I teach a class at an all-women's club. And when I go to start my class and I'm doing my little spiel at the beginning, you know, welcome to class. This is what the class is. This is who I am and so forth. They're still chatting, you know, and it doesn't bug me at all. I actually think it's fun because uh, they're, they're, they're there for each other and they're there for me and I'm there for them. And um, I think it's incredibly important for instructors to be able to create the, those bonds with uh, the people who come to their class, but also to help foster bonds between between participants, not just between the instructor and the participant. And that and that's critical. And that gets me to the last blog that, that I want to ask you about. And that was a good, you know, you, you, we, we went into that perfectly. What You wrote a blog about what your instructor wants to tell you but might not. What was the impetus for that blog? And, and, what, and what, what do you think as instructors, what might we want to tell, tell people who come to our classes regularly? Okay, so what was the impetus? Um, it's probably stuff that had been rattling around in my brain for a long time just as a fitness instructor, you know. I thought, you know, I know this. Other fitness instructors think about this, but I don't know if participants really know this um, as specifically as I laid it out in this blog post. So, and I would say the other impetus had something to do with uh, um, a comment my personal trainer made. So I'll get to that in a minute. But um, the first one that I have is to don't be late if you can help it, which seems like a very obvious one. But there's a couple of reasons why not being late can be especially disruptive in group fitness. Obviously, it's distracting to the instructor when someone's coming in. Obviously, the instructor wants to make sure you've had a proper warm-up before you get start getting into the cardio or whatever the exercise, the workout is about. And also, it can be kind of unfair to other people in the room as you, you, know, you just sort of distract them from the workout. For personal trainers, you might think, well, it doesn't matter because I'm not distracting anyone. The trainer's just there for me, and they can get an extra 10-minute break while I get settled. But, you know, trainers plan the workout in advance, and they might have planned a specific workout that's going to last 60 minutes. And when you come in 10 minutes late, then they got to figure out, am I going to try to squeeze this workout into 50 minutes, or am I going to – what do I have to cut out? So they do some sort of mental scrambling around to figure that out. And I actually had that – Uh, You know, I I will say that I have been guilty of that. Uh, Last Friday, when I was going to see my personal trainer, I came about 10 minutes late. And um, it was it ended up kind of being something that (laughs) worked against me because he kept the same workout plan. But when we were doing a, you know, a hard set of interval training, I said, well, can we just take a longer break? No, 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 we can't take a longer break. You know, you were late. If you wanted to have a longer break, you should have come when the hour started. So. (laughs) You know, that was kind of a good way to remind me that this is really my workout and to being, you know, when I'm late, I'm really only making myself miss out. But it's also inconveniences, either the instructor or the trainer. Well, I think you you hit the one thing that I think is really important. I don't think people realize how important a good warm-up is. I see, oh, yeah. I see I see sometimes in the gym and people come into my classes, especially I teach a cycling class in, in you know, one morning at a, at a um it's a not-for-profit center, and that's all I'll say about that. But people will show up sometimes five, ten minutes late, and I'm at the point where I'm like, I'm not going to fight people. I mean, I, I just go over to them and say, take your time warming up before you join the workout. Yeah. Because the, 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 if you want to get injured from working out, the best thing you can do is just jump into a workout straight away without a warm-up. 
because that's a pretty yeah. much you're guaranteed an almost injury. And so if you're if you're a fitness participant, you know, I get it. There's sometimes that people you get stuck in traffic, kids might, you know, derail you. So I don't I don't not let people into class, but I really it's just it concerns me because the last thing I want to see is somebody get hurt because they don't have a proper warm up. And that I just can't can't emphasize how critical that is. And I think it's I think that's a great response from your trainer be like, "Hey, if you wanted more rest, show up on time because we've as yeah. trainers, we we've, we've all dealt with that." What other things yeah. do you think an instructor might want to might might want to share with a class participant? Um, so another one that I had in this blog post and this is, you know, one that I often think about as an instructor, but I'm sure that in, uh, participants weren't aware of it is facial expression says a lot. So, um, you know, I can look out on a crowd of people when I'm teaching a class and if we're supposed to be doing like a hard exercise with lifting dumbbells or, you know, maybe a high, uh, a hit drill, something like that. My expectation is that they're working hard, right? So I can tell quite often how hard participants are working, not always, but often just by looking at their face. I can tell if someone is phoning it in, just going through the motions because their face is relaxed, they look you know, comfortable, they look like they're thinking about what they're gonna have for dinner that night, and they're really not in the moment. Whereas other people who are really giving it, they're all, and they're focusing on what they're doing at that particular moment. They're lifting a heavy enough weight. They're pushing themselves with that high intensity drill. Their faces show it. They're grimacing. They might be gritting their teeth. You can just see the concentration on their faces. So that's such a small, subtle thing, but it makes a huge difference. And I realize in sharing this that people might just start faking, you know, a grimace on their face to make it look like they're working out hard. But I hope, you know, that the, the opposite is true, that people will really see that there are these little tells that instructors and trainers look for to see how you're doing with a particular set or a particular interval segment. And that and that's so true because you're always watching that because you want to try to guide people to go hard. And, and in my opinion, harder isn't always necessary, necessarily better or more productive. But yeah. I just want to encourage people to, if you're taking, if somebody's taking the time to come to class, I want to encourage them to put their best effort in. Yeah. You know, one of the rules I have because I do a lot of sports conditioning classes. One of the rules that I'll have is the same rule I have when I coach rugby, um, high school rugby, and that's if you finish it, if you start a drill, I want you to finish it. If you start, you know, a set. I want you to finish the set. You can take a set off. I'm fine if somebody sits out a drill or if somebody sits out a thing, but if they start it, I want them to finish it, you know, because I think it's important. You owe it to yourself. If you showed up for the workout, you owe it to yourself to just give it your best effort and not, not to let yourself down. And I think that's really what I'm getting at is that idea of give it your best effort. You know, I have, I do have people come back every week to my class and, you know, they're sp we're all spending an hour together and I really want them to just make the most of that time. And you're right, it doesn't mean... And I certainly don't mean killing yourself, making it as hard as possible, but you want to make the best use of the time that you've got while you're there. And I think that's, I mean, that's, that's an important thing. And finally, Amanda, to, to wrap it up, you, you, you become somewhat of an expert in, in social media. You mentioned at the offset that you, you speak at a lot of fitness conferences about how fitness professionals can stay on top, you know, use social media to promote themselves, promote their classes. How do you stay? I mean, what's the, for somebody like me, I, I, I'm pretty good on social media, but what's the way that you stay on top? How do you find out about new things like what Instagram is doing or what Twitter is doing? How do you kind of stay on top of all the information that's, that's always changing about social media? So uh, that's a great question. I'm connected to many, many different um, associations and websites that are authorities on social media. And I'm constantly kind of, you know, I follow them on social media. I get their newsletters. I might be part of, um, you know, an online webinar and just so that I can learn more from other people about how it's done on social media and kind of what's new. I'm part of an inner circle group that finds out first about social media updates and changes. But the average person doesn't want to do all that necessarily. So my suggestion would be um, a few things. One, if you want to kind of find out what the, the latest updates are on your favorite social media channels, like let's say Instagram, every major social media channel has a blog that they uh, announce that kind of stuff, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, they announce on their blog when there's a new feature that comes up. And Instagram is particularly good at that. So you can check in with the blog um, from time to time or if you have a question or something looks different. 
Another thing to do would be to always make sure that you are, if you're using social media on your phone, which most people are, is to make sure that your apps are up to date. That way you're going to find out first about the new updates and any new features that come available. And usually social media platforms are pretty good at guiding you through it. So when there's a new update or a new feature that becomes available, you'll get little notifications and, hey, this is new and it'll show you how it works with a video or, you know, with just, uh, you know, sliding through and looking at a couple of different screens to see. So that would be another way keeping your apps up to date and then um, you know there are other if you wanted to go deeper into finding out more about updates there are lots of um, businesses out there that specifically help people navigate social media and figure out what are the best features to use that and I think that's important I, as you say that I mean I use my my social media feeds regularly to promote other things I'm doing as well as this podcast. And I've never thought to check for the blog. So that's, that's an important takeaway. Well, I really, I appreciate your time this morning. And so how can people find out, how can people stay up to date with your test reviews and your blogging and the writing that you do? Where's the best way to contact you and how can they follow you on social media? Um, yeah. Okay. So on Instagram, I'm at Amanda Vogel fitness. On Twitter, I'm at Amanda Vogel, and on Facebook, I'm at Fitness Writer. So those are the three places to find me on social media. And then, of course, my blog, which you can link to all my social media accounts from there, is fitnesstestdrive.com. And also what I'm going to do, Amanda, is link to your to your uh, professional page on ACE, on the American Council on Exercise, yeah, because you yeah. have a lot of good information on there. I enjoy, I, anytime you write, write an article or anytime you write a blog on, on the American, you know, I, I enjoy reading it and, and usually get a lot out of it. And uh, I also enjoy sharing it through my various channels. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> well, sure. Well, thank you for everything that you do. And thanks for your time this morning. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. That was fun. That was a really fun conversation. As you can tell, I really have a tremendous amount of respect for Amanda. But I want to be very clear that I do have a relationship with TerraCore. I do some work for them as a consultant, but I work for them because I believe in the product. You know, I have I have a link to Amanda's um, review in the show notes below, and I really I mean that. You know, when I you know, I didn't realize that she was writing a review on the on the product. So when I saw her post it, I reached out to her right away and let her know I was I was working with it and. You know, she was like, oh, that's, you know, she, she thought that was a cool thing because, you know, we, we both have, have done similar type of work before. But I really, I started working with the TerraCores. I think it's one of the coolest, most innovative fitness products I've seen in a while. Other products that we talked about, including the Apple Watch, well, I haven't bought an Apple Watch yet. I still use my Polar, but I have nothing but a world of respect for the people working on the fitness component of the Apple Watch. You know, we talked about Jay, Jay Blonick and Jules Arney, and I don't know them that well. I've, I've you know, met them a few times and, you know, I've worked now. I work for the same company that they used to work for before they went to go do what they're doing now. But I have a tremendous amount of respect for what they've done, and, and Jay is really probably one of the better educators that we've had working in the fitness industry. So the fact that he's now working on the Apple Watch or on the fitness component of the Apple Watch. really speaks volumes to the resources that the company's putting into the program. They want to get it right. And, you know, as far as I know, Jay and Jules are the, are the people to make that happen. So, um, you know, there's a conflict of interest. I am an Apple shareholder, but other than that, I don't have uh, an Apple Watch. Other products include uh, Sandbells. Sandbells are produced by Hyperware. Um, I don't have any uh, direct affiliation with the company, but I've been a fan of the product. I first did a review on them when I worked at the American Council on Exercise, I think it was 2009 or 2010 when I first got my hands on the Sandbells, and I fell in love with them right away. I have uh, I have three or four. I'm, I'm recording this in the corner of my bedroom, <laughs> and I have a few of the a few of the Sandbells in, in my bedroom. And in fact, one of their newest products I really love. They're called Soft Bells, and basically it's their Sandbell with a handle. So it turns like basically a Sandbell is kind of like a sandbag and a medicine ball, and the Soft Bells include a handle. So I'm gonna have a link to that down in the show notes. Because if you're looking for um, a very versatile fitness product to give somebody for this holiday season, I really hi- highly recommend taking a look at the Hyperware website. Because besides the soft bells, the sand bells, 
They also have a killer, one of my favorite uh, weighted vests that I've ever tried in the fitness industry. And again, no direct affiliation with the company. I'm just a fan of their products. TRX, um, as far as TRX goes, I'm a huge fan of the TRX suspension trainer. I'm not familiar with the new uh, medicine ball that Amanda referenced, but I'll try to find it and have a link down to it in the show notes. And again, I have no direct affiliation with the company. I've had Randy Hetrick, the uh, founder and uh, creator of the TRX. He was one of my first guests uh, on this podcast. I think he's all the way back on episode number 10. But Randy and I talk a little bit about um, how he created TRX. And I also did an interview with him on YouTube uh, about TRX. If you do a search for Randy Hetrick, my name, and TRX, you can see our interview on YouTube where he goes through the whole process, how I developed that. That and I've had Chris Frankel. Chris Frankel is the VP of Human Performance for TRX. And I have nothing but a world respect to those guys. And if you're looking for a good piece of home equipment, that's very versatile um, to give somebody this holiday season. The TRX is basically a gym, you know, a gym in one piece of equipment with a tremendous amount of a tremendous amount of exercise you can do. And no matter what type of equipment you get, listen to what Amanda suggested: is, is go to the source. Don't go just go to Instagram or go to YouTube. Go to the website. Now, with that caveat said, both TRX and Hyperware, TRX makes a suspension trainer and Hyperware makes sandbells, they both have very robust YouTube channels that go over a wide variety of exercises. So if you give somebody a piece of equipment, it's also a good idea to give them a little reference on how to use that. Now, with the TerraCore, we have an app on iTunes. You know, if you go to iTunes and do a search for Vicore, V-I-C-O-R-E, or TerraCore, T-E-R-R-A, C-O-R-E. We have an app and we put out different workouts. We have metabolic workouts. We have upper body. We have lower body. We have core conditioning workouts. We put out a variety of different workouts. In addition, we have a couple of cool products in the, in the pipeline. So um, it's fun to be a part of this company. And this is something else that, that it's really, um, you know, I've been working in fitness a long time. I've worked with health clubs. I've worked with certifications. And now I'm getting a chance to kind of help develop equipment so it really is just a it's a tremendous uh, tremendous opportunity to have to be able to do that. Anyway, this is a holiday gift giving guide. It's my first time trying this. It's a little bit awkward uh, doing a gift giving guide on podcasting because you can't really see the products. But anytime you get to uh, anytime you get to a um, device, your phone, a computer, I will have the link down below in the show notes. If you're enjoying these all about fitness podcasts, all I ask is that you give me a positive rating. If you have any guests that you'd like, uh, like me to have on here, please send them my way, Pete at PeteMcCall.com. I'm sorry, that's Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com is my email address. You can follow me on Twitter at PeteMC underscore fitness and on Instagram at PeteMcCall underscore fitness. Thanks for tuning in to All About Fitness, and I look forward to having you stop by and catch future episodes of how to use exercise to stay in your best shape possible. Oh,